Hello, everybody, and welcome to the subtle storm. <laughs> Today, I'm joined with my partner, Carrie. Hello. <laughs> we got lots of giggles. It's my first guest on this on the podcast, and her first time ever being on a podcast. So super exciting. Um, but today we're going to be talking about couples therapy and other mediums of preventative therapy and also other forms of therapy aside from just individual. Um, I feel like one of the biggest things about going to couples therapy or the biggest narratives that we hear is to go when things are tough or when there's a core issue in the relationship. Um, Carrie and I, for example, have not practiced that. We have went the route of preventative therapy, which means already having a nice um, established healthy relationship and then going and delving into couples therapy to continue to strive our relationship and work on new ways to love each other better and better every time and work through things better knowing new information and having an like a portal to vulnerability almost mm, yeah <laughs> yeah I, it's funny i always call it like maintenance over preventative just mm-hmm. because it helps to maintain the strength of the relationship and continue to grow deeper into seeing and understanding one another in a loving fashion <laughs> i agree <laughs> i feel like so often we don't put enough work into our relationships maybe not even uh overall statement like that but i feel like it's the narrative in western society and also among you know modern age relationships in general now that we don't we just kind of exist in the relationships instead of putting in the effort and i think that maintenance like you said is super necessary and overall brings into the depth and the capacity and the vulnerability and the presence within the relationship. It's crazy even to think about the fact that some couples don't even do check-ins with one another. They just, like you said, exist rather than making sure we're still on the same page and we're still growing in a way that feels good for one another. Right. And relationships don't always have to be finite. Like they, I feel like so often we get into relationships, especially monogamous ones, you expect that the relationship will be finite. Maybe not even like a always subconscious expectation, um, but there's like a, a narrative of like, you know, this should be forever because we're here now mm. and because we initially committed to this, even though it's shifting and changing throughout the years. So it's like I watched something recent, not that long ago, about somebody, a couple doing like a a rental agreement kind of check in with their partner where they would like, you know, check in every month and be like, do you still want to be in this relationship? Do you, are you still feeling fulfilled? Are your needs still being met? Um, it's that type of energy that we recognize in that like fluidity of relationships is that we, as people change and we need to continue to grow as we grow and change and grow alongside with our partner. If we still feel like it's right to do that. And Sky and I, we don't we don't argue really. Like it's not anything that's really heightened. I will mention though that we're both highly sensitive persons, however. So we recognize that there's a lot of emotions that are 
playing a role in our engagements and our existence with one another. And we wanted to really intentionally hold space for that, which was one of the main reasons that we knew that being in therapy as a couple would be very impactful positively for us. Absolutely. I think personalities play a crucial role in the decision to go to therapy as well. I think especially maybe if you, let's say you are diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder or BPD and you are aware of this in your this personality trait within yourself um you have like the awareness of you know mechanisms to make sure your partners are aware and to protect them but you know we can never stop learning tools we will it's never like you know <laughs> You you never need to stop learning tools. There's always more to learn. There's always more to exercise and understand about yourself and your partner. And especially with different types of personalities, it can be really useful to learn different tools and see how they go. And you might like have used a trick for your whole, you know, marriage or, or relationship or relationships. And that might not work at this period of time. And so, getting a new tool from therapy what might change the whole thing or you might haven't even known that and then you know there's like a whole cycle of assistance that therapy can do and it can also make you grow in very increased amount of empathy towards your partner Mm -hmm. and their life experiences which create their personality now you know a big part of which i've talked about so many times is um childhood development and how our brains develop early on and how that structures our personalities and our perceptions and our relational dynamics our attachment wounds and things like that and so sometimes we don't have a good understanding of that even in ourselves and going to therapy with our partners can give us a better idea of what their life was like and see it maybe from our perspective and be able to have deeper empathy and deeper understanding as to why they do different habits. And he'll just be more compassionate, which is, in my opinion, one of the biggest portions of a relationship is holding compassion. That's my favorite part about therapy thus far. (laughs) It's the deeper level of compassion I get to offer you and the space and that awareness that's being built from that from understanding your past and your present and just how you experience life and how you view things through your perspective rather than only seeing it through how I experience life. It's been very expansive and connective. (laughs) Absolutely. That's the point of it. (laughs) And the tools are great, too. I love all the different tools and practices and the homework that we get at times from Mm -hmm. our therapist. She's pretty great. Yeah. And, well, that's another thing is finding a good therapist. Mm. You know, we got we got really lucky. Um, <laughs> I mean, we're still on that road to even getting to know her very well. Um, but, you know, being kinky, polyamorous, and interracial, as well as being queer, it's really challenging to find a therapist that fits all of those boxes. And um, thankfully, who we found checked most of them. Um, but, you know, it can feel very daunting, and it can feel like you're never going to find you know, the right therapist for you. And one bad experience could shift your whole perspective on what therapy looks like for you. Um, definitely want to encourage everybody to like, you know, if you if you have the, the mind for it, the openness towards it, um, keep your mind open as you go through those experiences. Um, <laughs> um, just 
allow people to be who they are, especially if you have like a you interact with somebody who doesn't fit for you. Allow them to be who they are and know your standards and your boundaries. And also remind yourself that regardless, you will find somebody that fits you. Um, there's so many people out there. There's so many therapists. They're out there. Yeah. Um, and you will find them. <laughs> Just keep looking. It takes a while. And I'll link some um, easy, accessible things in the in the show notes. But you, you can speak on that from your experience as well. I wonder. Well, yeah, that's... I personally felt that oh, I had a couple unpleasant experiences with therapists, which definitely left me wary of engaging with anyone new. These are individual. Moving forward. Yeah, and that was personal, exactly. One-on-one therapy rather than couples therapy. But going into couples therapy, that was helpful in reminding me that it's, you know, not one experience doesn't write off everything else, and that's not how it's going to be with every single person. And it helped me to know what I'm looking for and what my expectations and standards would be when it comes to a therapy session which is also important when you first begin to see a therapist is to really court them at first and ask questions and allow them to share with you who they are and how they run a session and what you can expect and if it's more goal-oriented or if it's going to be more of a dialogue style or if what type of a therapy, you know, the, the different types that they have to make sure it's something that lines up with you. You're definitely going to do some research. I've been learning some new terms that I don't know off the top of my head, but my Google history does. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, yeah, research is a, is a great, great part of understanding and learning yourself through those experiences as well as like, you know, vetting new um, therapists. And I love that you used, um, what was it, courting? Because I know that we, well, one of the things I also want to talk about was having um, conversations with your partner or partners about what you expect in therapy and what you want to look for, what you collectively as a unit want to look for in an outside person looking at you guys. You're not going to want an opinion that's completely outside of your bubble. For example, Maybe two, we talked about never having a male therapist just because mm. we're two queer women. And not that we don't appreciate male therapists, but we didn't feel comfortable with that. And the vulnerability there wasn't comfortable. So those type of expectations and conversations about that are very important. Um, and we also talked about, you know, how much empathy, I think we talked about how much empathy we really want in a, in a therapy session. And right things like that, and how much compassion we wanted, what type of therapy felt good for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and which for us was very, like, encouraging and tool-oriented and empathy-oriented. Um, but like you said, courting and developing questions to ask the therapist, how do they run their sessions typically? What does a session look like for them? How do they typically relate and how do, maybe even how do they self-care for themselves? Some therapists might not want to answer that, and that's at their discretion. Mm-hmm. Um, but that can give you a gauge on, you know, I think one of the questions that I even asked my therapist <laughs> when I, um, my individual therapist, when I first started going to her was, how does she feel about attachment theory? And we went in a whole conversation about that. And, you know, your therapists aren't your friends, but it's okay to ask them personal questions if they consent to it. Yeah, just get a feel. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, that allows you to have ease when you're going into it. And that's 
I think especially necessary, but it's also okay to feel anxiety and discomfort when venturing into new spaces and being in new vulnerable places with people you don't know, yeah. you know, it's um, intense. Yeah. Honestly, I get anxious before every therapy session, just mm-hmm. going, stepping into that state and knowing it's a more vulnerable state that we're going to be sharing with one another, uh, regardless if we have an agenda in mind beforehand, or if we're just going to sit down and see where things flow with one another. But it's, it's good anxiety. It's, it's good to work through that stress or what feels like stress and continue to hold space for yourself and one another for real. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Another factor I feel like with couples therapy is also doing the individual work. Um, You know, your therapist is going to tell you so many things about you and your pair and in your couple, but they're also going to, you know, focus on you intentionally or individually um, a big part of that is taking in those lessons and reflecting to yourself um, seeking to understand and seeking to empathize and be compassionate towards your partner, like we said earlier. Um, but that, you know, you're not really going to get anywhere in therapy in general unless you look within and even look at how you're reflecting to your partner or projecting your own views or narratives, things like that. Like we have to, you know take accountability and teach teach ourselves and learn yeah (laughs) I want to piggyback on that even because even stepping in with that accountability for yourself you also well the point that I was thinking of is the fact that it's like you take turns with one another in the session Mm -hmm. because you have to be vulnerable with yourself but you have to also actively and lovingly listen to your partner in the session to truly hear where they're coming from rather than just sharing your experience and your perspective which is what allows you both to come together so lovingly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's been my favorite part is really just being able to hear things from your perspective in the moment and even share with you vulnerably. And it's like a, a even playing field, it feels like. Mm-hmm. We don't make one another a target in a or therapy blindside. session. Right, and there's no blindsiding. And even the fact way we just pause and take turns, we're like, you want to say? Or is it my <laughs> turn? And then we'll, we'll just proceed. Like there's a, a respect Mm-hmm. That that feels really good to exchange. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, <laughs> and we also practice. We're very close when we're in therapy, and she, our therapist, always notices that <laughs> and comments on it, and you know praises us for it, which I think is you know, you know the one of the best things about therapy is being able to stand or being in a relationship. I mean, is being able to stand as a unit and together. And I think also you know you you demonstrate your relationship when you're in these vulnerable moments and being able to stay close and be very vulnerable while still, I mean, I can't say the same thing for like all people, people with different love languages. Some people might not have physical touches of love language, but it's just our, you know, extension of that. Um, And I think that, or at least I could imagine as such, people kind of distancing from the partner in or partners, <laughs> keeping it inclusive, um, in therapy sessions to kind of pose as individuals in the relationship, which, you know, I understand, but I also think you're showing up as a unit in this setting, in this right. forum. You know, you're you're coming together and for each other. Um, 
whatever that looks like for you. That could mean holding hands, that could mean being close, that could mean eye contact, respecting each other when they talk. You know, ask your partner what looks good for them, what feels good for them. Do they want to, like, be acknowledged in those moments? Do they want to feel seen? Do they want to um, hear you? Do you feel comfortable talking to each other in front of your therapist? I always feel uncomfortable with that, but I I work through it in the moments. You definitely do. You do a great job. Oh, thanks. Um, Eye contact, like I said. But, yeah, those little acknowledging things make sure that you guys are still a unit and together during, you know, such a vulnerable moment. And sometimes the things that you may talk about might be distancing, so it's important to still practice your other tools while still in a setting where you're learning more tools. The tools that you already learned don't just go away. They just might be a little bit muted because of another person being there but (laughs) yeah I think it's cool to see it all come together from a session to real life outside of the sessions like Mm -hmm. like you said with our physical touch it's allowing me to lean more into feeling safe being close while we talk that's something I learned about myself is that I distance when I'm feeling a little emotionally unstable or unsure and I want to kind of recluse and just come into myself and being in therapy and having such vulnerable moments that come up that are feel really fragile for me emotionally and holding my partner's hand through it or holding her and rubbing her shoulder it just allows me to have a deeper trust in us and recognize that just because this doesn't feel as solid in that moment I am still very much so grounded with Sky. Mm-hmm. It's pretty powerful. <laughs> Absolutely, very powerful. Yeah, I love it. I did not think I was going to be such a team couples therapy. I always thought that that was, <laughs> and that's the stigma. You think if in your right. therapy there's something wrong already, mm-hmm. and that you need to fix something, and you don't think that you can take it more of a, like I said, a maintenance or a preventative action to just make sure you are on the same page with one another and continue to grow. Yeah, for sure. And I can even recall like mentioning it for my to my dad for example and he just kind of scoffed for a second you know at the thought because you know so many people think that therapy is is for when you're in a pickle you know they think that there's something really wrong with the relationship and you're trying to salvage it but in reality that's the literal worst time you should ever go to therapy when when ties are really high you're not going to get very far you're gonna have to come back down to some type of feel and the therapist is gonna have to work you guys down to base level to be able to even talk so being able to go there before allows you to have the safe space built so when something does happen you can use the tools or you can schedule an emergency session and then she'll know you or they'll know you guys enough to be able to work through whatever you're going through um touch on those soft spots or those spots that you guys both are aware of but maybe are challenged to see in that moment. That's always been fun now. We have those moments when we're having a conversation or discussion and we recognize that we've hit a like a crossroad or crossroad where we're not sure where to go with things and we'll just say, "Well, maybe we can bring this up in therapy mm-hmm. and see where we can go with that." Like it's funny, it usually be like a day or two right before I'm like, "Oh, we should talk about this." <laughs> okay. Like I, you mm-hmm. sent that in a text one time. I'm looking forward to our therapy session. And it felt good to know that that wasn't an attack or that you were using that against me. Mm-hmm. Um, I admit it, you think that it would be when you see that, but you realize, yeah. like, no, this is because we're on top of things together. <laughs> it's pretty dope. <laughs> <laughs> 
of the giggles. Very dope. I, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, headphone users. <laughs> um, one of the other things I feel like is really necessary to touch on is the connection after after therapy mm. and which our therapist actually brought to our attention of like, you know, coming down and she does a check in at the beginning and then a check out. And then, you know, we, we end the, the session and then we have our own time to pause. And, you know, before we've been trying to practice not speaking before we, you know, while we settle in and pause for a little bit after right. a session and then we, you know, talk about it and, say any more things or continue on whatever you want to. Um, but we've tried to prioritize that pause in between there so that we can get grounded with each other and remind each other that we're here for each other and that we're grateful, you know, that we're in that space. But even just so energetically, like we're just there and present with each other. And, you know, it's a lot, you know, you're, <laughs> you're disclosing a lot of yourself to somebody you really don't actually know. Um, that can feel very vulnerable um, alongside, you know, learning new things and being really intentionally listening and pausing and reflecting. It's a lot of brain work Oof. and it can feel very draining. Oh, yeah. It's tolling for sure. It's it's that's the good type of gains, though, for sure. It's worth <laughs> it. Absolutely. I mean, so as you can see, there's so many different benefits to therapy and going prior and being able to to pause reflect and gain new tools for your tool belt or toolboxes the as i always say <laughs> um mm -hmm. and one of the biggest benefits is just being able to be more intentional more loving learning how to love your partner better if you're with each other for the right reasons it's going to be the biggest and best benefit for each other ever <laughs> yes it is uh, I just thought of something. I don't know if we directly commented on it, but the effective communication that we're practicing. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, we already have pretty great communication, but it's nice to be able to even display that in an open setting well, with a therapist because usually mm -hmm. it's just one-on-one -on -one and you start to question, like, you question yourself and say, am I being considered enough or was I clearly expressing myself? Especially as HSPs. We're always just thinking about which <laughs> can I say that that our therapist said that she recognized that we just care about one another so much <laughs> that sometimes our anxiety is just about like is she okay am I doing this enough in a loving fashion that she feels seen too and so we get caught up in like did I do that right but we're both just like just so in love <laughs> I thought that was adorable when she said it's that it's very <laughs> cute and it's I mean that's been our favorite part I feel like about therapy is all the praise that we get because we're very like self-critical I think at times mm. Even though we don't want to be that, it's just kind of the way that our brains process things given our mm -hmm. childhoods. So, you know, receiving praise from an outside source that really does get vulnerable and see us for us as individuals and in our relationship, giving us praise on how we handle our own relationship or our relationship is really very like, what's, I can't think of the word. Validating. Validating. Yes. <laughs> it's very validating, and it, it it feels very seen. It also allows you, in my experience, you know, I we both I think have pretty intense relational anxiety, and I know I have anxiety in general, so it's super heightened. Um, but that like it's receiving that praise has allowed me personally to relax into certain aspects of the relationship and have a better trust 
And for some reason, outside sources really do feel better sometimes. I mean, because, you know, we correct ourselves in our head. Mm -hmm. And especially if that was how you were raised, you know, that whatever that internal relationship is, you kind of don't take as realistically because you're in it. But when somebody else sees it from the outside and really sees it, it feels very good. And I and I think that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I challenge myself talk sometimes, oftentimes. But it's definitely nice to hear it outside. Your validating was a perfect word. Mm-hmm. Well put. <laughs> that intentional time with one another, too. Right. <laughs> You're setting, we're setting aside like an hour, you know, every two weeks to be able to sit with each other. And it's almost like another form of check-in. Right, right. And that's good to mention even the frequency because it doesn't have to be every week or every mm-hmm. other day. And then there's the option of even doing emergency session if necessary, should that, you know, point come. But uh, yeah, just every other week is nice to check in and we just flow with one another. And like you mentioned when um, the therapist does a... She checks in in the beginning. We kind of just recap and we're able to just like, oh, yeah, we've had a good week. Or oh, this happened and we were aware of. Or, mm-hmm. you know, we were wondering about this in the future, even though it hasn't come up yet. And I right. love being able to share that space with you. We always talk about talking about things. So yeah. it's nice to like <laughs> have a designated set in time, setting to, in time to do so. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. While you're talking, we were like remind myself not even remind myself, but think of the concept of um, how it's super necessary to, like I kind of said earlier, you know, being individual and working through your own individual things alongside couples therapy. It's also important to not rely on therapy to be your saving grace, to be able to actually utilize those tools and use them and Mm -hmm. be able to continue to not even continue wherever you are in that process be able to encourage each other to communicate to to work through you know narratives for yourself that have been implemented for long periods or long time your your whole life probably you know be able to find effective communication in difficult moments to not play into your attachment wounds and, you know, go on the contrary of that, to work through things effectively in the moment or wherever that actually feels good yes, for you. Yes. Pausing, you know, practicing those tools and not just saving every conflict for therapy, which I'm sure that's another narrative that, you know, you see all the time mm-hmm. when people who don't, you know, take therapy as uh, a pre- not pre- prevention, but uh, maintenance, you know. That's an important note to add. But overall, I think that there's a lot of benefits to couples therapy and especially to individual therapy. I would recommend personally going to individual therapy before couples. I think it can be a little bit intense to just jump into couples and not know, depending on your self-awareness, I guess, and your self-care. But I think it can be intense to jump into therapy without having a therapeutic relationship um, or any experience within that. But it doesn't mean that it can't be done. Um, doesn't mean it's the most difficult thing ever. It's possible. And you just have to think, add a little bit extra self-care and self-love within that. And also find a good therapist that really wants to do that for you as well. <laughs> yeah, you're worth it. Go ahead and take that extra time to invest in yourself. That's a good note to end on. <laughs> you are worth it. And so is your relationship. And so is your partner. <laughs> 
Thank you for having me today. Yeah, thank you for coming. This has been fun. <laughs> I like watching you work. <laughs> so cute. Thank you, baby. I love you. I love you. And I love you too, audience. <laughs> <laughs> we love you. Namaste. <laughs>